So we have been going through the book of James for a while. We've been doing this verse-by-verse study through the book of James. I think I started it back in May, and we've kind of worked our way through. Have you guys enjoyed this, this, this verse-by-verse walking through the Bible? Kind of, we've covered like every single verse. Uh, and, and what we've seen, I've really enjoyed. I've actually really enjoyed doing this deep dive into James, and I feel like there's really ways that God has spoken to me about things in my life and, and some of the, the practical wisdom, because that's what we've really seen in the book of James is just how practical it is. But what you're going to notice uh, is that it ends, because we're going to deal with the final, uh, the final verses in the book of James. We're going to go this morning to the end of the book of James, and uh, you're going to see that this really practical book ends on a kind of a deeply spiritual point. And, uh, and so let's get right into it. Let's, let's check out James chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 13 to 20. If you have your app, and I hope that all of you have downloaded your app, you know, and uh, uh, one of the things that, we, that I put together every week when I'm preaching is, uh, is a fill-in-the-blank outline, so you can have all the main points, all the Bible verses kind of help you follow along, so open that up if you have it. So James 5, 13 to 20, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Now, I like the way that this starts out, because James says, is any of you in trouble? To which I want to say to James, like, do you think? Like, maybe, maybe a couple of us, or probably all of us are in trouble in one way or another. It was especially true of James because he was writing to a church that was scattered. There was persecution. People are, you know, away from their homes trying to survive. So there was a lot of trouble. And so it's interesting that he gives this really practical book where we talked about relationships and we talked about wisdom and we talked about, all, you know, all sorts of different things. But he ends by saying, listen, if, if you got trouble, you need to pray. What you need to do, if you have trouble, you need to pray. And so you might be like, all right, James, well, first of all, you say, do you have trouble? Of course, we all have trouble. Second of all, do you got anything else? Let's be honest, all right? Let's be honest because, you know, you might say, hey, listen, I've been praying about something. I've been trying to pray through and and it doesn't seem to have worked so far. Do you have maybe some of that other practical wisdom that you've been doling out in this book? But what James says three times in this passage that we just read is that we got to pray. That we don't, like the reason, the reason we don't pray more is because we don't understand the power of prayer. Like if we really were dialed into the power of prayer and, and kind of what, what it can bring about in our life and how it's supposed to work in our life, we would spend more time praying. And so what I'm hoping, what I'm hoping to have happen this morning, it's happened, you know, I think kind of happened at nine and I'm hoping it'll happen again, is I want to stir you guys up. 
I want. I think this passage. I think the purpose of this of this passage and why James ends ends his letter this way is he wants to leave us with an understanding of how important prayer is, the the difference that prayer can make. Because what this says, the a promise here that we can stand on. If you're in trouble, if you've got something weighing you down, if you've got something oppressing you, if you pray, God will lift you up. Does anyone here this morning need to be lifted up out of a situation? Is this relevant to anyone? I think it's relevant to all of us. What James says is that it's through prayer that God's going to lift us up. And this is a promise that we can stand on. So what I'm going to do to walk us through um, is I'm going I'm to give us four things that I think we can take from this passage about the effectiveness of prayer and why we need to pray. And then uh, he gives us this example of Elijah. So that we're going to go a little bit into a, a story from Elijah's life to understand how our faith can grow. Um, so the first point, and if you're, if you're following along in the fill-in-the-blank notes, the first point is prayer is the difference between the best I can do and the best God can do. So we need to pray because it's the difference between the best I can do in my natural strength, in my abilities, in my intellect, or whatever it is we bring to the table. That will only get us so far. It's the difference between the best we can do and the best God can do in our life. It's prayer that bridges that gap. And so, you know, believe it or not, our church, we're going to, in a few months, in early 2022, we're going to be celebrating our 25th anniversary as a church. Isn't that crazy? 25 years, because I planted this church in January of 1997, and, uh, and we haven't, you know, we haven't made a big deal out of anniversaries through the years. I don't know. It's just like, I'm, I'm not a big, like, I'm not a huge birthday person. Like, on my birthday, people are like, Phil, it's your birthday. And I'm like, is it? Oh, oh yeah, that's right. It is. I don't know. I've just, I've just not been a big, you know, it just hasn't been a big thing for me. But we're going to make a big deal out of our 25th anniversary. So at some point, you'll hear, you know, we're going to have a weekend plan. We're going to do some really fun stuff. But, but um, prayer has always been kind of foundational to our church. Right? Prayer has been something that is really, I mean, how are we able to still be here 25 years later? It's been because of prayer. And so early on in my Christian life, when I became a Christian at 17, uh, God kind of laid a pretty strong prayer foundation in my life. I read a lot of classic Christian books on prayer, books some of you might know, uh, R.A. Torrey, A.W. Tozer, E.M. Bounds, Andrew Murray, Leonard Ravenhill. And so these are like classics on prayer. And so, and so I would always try to spend a good amount of time every day engaging in what we call intercessory prayer, praying for God to move in the world, to move in my life, to move in, in ministry and in different things. And I really leaned into that. When I came into the vineyard, 25, 20, I guess it was about 27 years ago I came into the vineyard and then planted the church shortly after, uh, I began to understand the power of the Holy Spirit in a way that I didn't understand previously. And I learned how to do in-the-moment prayer ministry. You know, that kind of, a, it's a little different where it's like we lay hands on people and we pray in the name of Jesus for, for the kingdom of God to break in, the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we say, can I pray for you right now? And so that really became our focus. And so we would do training on how you can and hear from God while you're praying, how you can pray more effectively. We, we, we continue to see people get healed. We see miracles happen. We've even seen demons cast out of people. And so that's really what we've leaned into. So we would train you how to do that. We would make prayer ministry a real focal point of all of our services. And, uh, and we would do things like come Holy Spirit nights and Holy Spirit conferences and School of Kingdom ministry. But to be honest, 
we didn't do a lot of intercessory prayer. Just kind of assumed that maybe that's going on, but corporately we didn't do that. I realized a few years ago that we need both. Like we really need to lean into both. And so if you've been around, you've known that for about, I don't know, probably four years or so, uh, twice a year, we do 21 days of prayer. Uh, we do it in, you know, in the fall and then we do it to start the new year. We do that 21 days of prayer and fasting in January. And it's this really intense kind of prayer focus that we have where we're, we, we gather every, every morning at 6 a.m. in person and online to pray together. Uh, we have these Saturday kind of prayer blowouts, which are just amazing. And, uh, and then we always end it with a Come Holy Spirit night because I've just really come to see we need both. We need that intercessory prayer, but we also need that in the ministry, uh, in the moment ministry of the Holy Spirit because prayer, whether it's, you know, Come Holy Spirit or whether it's crying out for God to move, when we get as individuals or as a church to the end of what we can can do, which we get to pretty quick. Prayer is what bridges the gap to our limit, our, our being limited and God's limitlessness. And so we need prayer because it taps us into the limitlessness of God. Something else, another reason that we need prayer that I think James wants us to be aware of is that prayer puts my unknown future in the hands of an all-knowing God. Prayer puts my unknown future in the hands of an all-knowing God. James 5.13, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. And so if you're in trouble, because I know that, that, that we're all in trouble one way or another, you need to know that God is at work. You need to know that if you have, if you have something going on in your life that's causing you stress, that's causing you anxiety, you need through prayer to put it in the hands of our all-knowing God. And I think, listen, I think some of you need to hear this. Like some of you, like God brought you here because he wanted to remind you there's trouble in your life. There's a hard thing in your life and you're looking to God and you're wondering when he's going to step in and he's going to make a difference. I want to tell you that we can have confidence to know that God is at work in our lives and God is at work in our situations in ways that we don't understand. Jesus said the Father is always at work. And so I want to tell you, I don't know what specifically is going on in your life, but I want to tell you, your heavenly Father knows. Your heavenly Father is aware and your heavenly Father is at work. See, God, as he looks at the world and, you know, he looks at the pandemic and now he looks at what's going on in Afghanistan and all the things that are happening in the world and he looks at the things going on in your life, he's not pacing in heaven, saying, oh my me, what, what's going to happen here? See, God doesn't do that. God, his, his throne is firmly established. And one of the things that Jesus really wanted us to know there are things, there are things when you look at the teaching ministry of Jesus and the parables that he told and the way he lived his life, because he was with the Father from the very beginning, he, it seems like in so many ways what he wanted to get across to human beings who are stressed and who are anxious and who are fearful, who are worrying about tomorrow, is he, he, he wanted us to understand if you only knew how much the Father is doing. If you only knew how active he is, if you only knew how powerful he is, you wouldn't worry as much as you do. And so we said a very famous saying of his is found in Matthew 6, 31 to 34. He said, do not worry. I mean, that, that's like the message of Jesus and the message of the Bible over and over again. 
If you knew how much the Father is working on your behalf, you don't have to worry. You don't have to have anxiety in your life. Do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. All the things that you worry about, all the, all the open loops from your tomorrows, through prayer, put them in the hands of your heavenly father and you won't have to worry. You won't have to be afraid. Don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I know that there are people here who could stand up and give testimony this morning, and I'm one of them, and I got the mic, so I'll do it. I can tell you how many times, as I've been on this journey with Jesus for, for my adult life, where I've had worries, I've had troubles, I've had things that are way, were weighing me down. I have things now that could weigh me down. But I have seen over and over again the difference that prayer makes. When I take my unknown tomorrows and I put them into the hands of the all-knowing God, his peace comes. His presence comes. My perspective changes because what we do is we love to look at the winds and the waves that are all around us. But when we turn to God in prayer and we give him the stuff that we're stressed about, we get our eyes in Jesus. And we hear him say, peace be still. And the winds and the waves, they, they reside. And we're able to have the peace that passes all understanding. And what James wants us to know is the way that we access that. The way that we get to the place where we're like, okay, God, I got all this stuff going on in my life, but I'm going to give it to you right now. I'm going to make at your problem, and I'm going to say, God, what are you going to do about it? And I'm not going to worry about it because I'm confident that you're at work. I'm confident that you know the hairs on my head. I'm confident that you know me and you love me and you have a plan. It makes all the difference. Now listen, amen? Now listen, I'm trying to do something here. I think I'm trying to do what James is trying to, was trying to do. I'm trying to fire you up a little bit. Trying to, you know what, I want us to, I hope that we'll leave here with a fresh confidence in prayer, a fresh commitment to prayer, and I want you guys to help me out a little bit, all right? So help me out that we can see God really light a fire here, that we're going to, that it's going to make a difference in the way that we live and the way that we pray. Something else that James wants us to know about prayer is that prayer puts our hopeless situation in the hands of an all-powerful God. Puts our hopeless situation into the hands of an all-powerful God. Verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. And so I know that I'm talking to someone today who isn't only dealing with some trouble, you're dealing with a hopeless situation. That there's somebody here in this room or somebody watching online and probably a number of people like you came in here really weighed down. And you're just like, I just, I don't have any hope. Maybe it's a relationship that is real, that's an important relationship and it's really bad. And it's like there's so much stress and there's so much anxiety and there's so much, you know, just weight that's on you from this relationship and they keep coming at you and the misunderstandings just keep getting, you know, more and more. Maybe there's a door that you're trying to open up and it's a door and you keep trying to open it up and it just won't budge. And you've been trying to open up that door for a long time. And it's not like, you know, a Porsche that's on the other side of that door. It's something that you think that God has for you. 
Something that God has promised you. Something that you, you genuinely do need and you're like, this door isn't opening up. Maybe you have a business and you've been trying to survive throughout the pandemic. You've been trying to survive with your business, but it's just, it's just getting harder and harder and you're working as hard as can be, but and you're just pulling on that door and you're like, this door isn't budging. Maybe you're trying to, to get uh, your documentation for citizenship. And that's a hard, I've, I've talked to so many people through the years who are just, it's like a, it's like a maze. It's like this intractable problem. And, and you're just like, man, it's like my life is on hold and things are difficult and I'm doing everything that I can. Maybe it's a health issue. But I know that there are people here who have, who have hopeless situations. And what James wants us to know is that we need to put our hopeless situation into the hands of the one who is our living hope. That it makes all the difference, right? Jesus is our living hope. Now, I just, uh, I just completed this three-week course in our summer Bible school. If those of you, maybe some of you attended or were part of it, we offered three classes, and Pastor Charles taught a class, and Pastor Thomas taught a class, and I taught a class. And the class that I taught was on Christian apologetics. And so I love Christian apologetics. I've always, I've always read that. I've always read it. And, and I just was kind of dreaming about putting a class together because I thought I think it's really important for people to understand the firm foundation that we stand on with our faith. Because, our, you know, there's so many people nowadays who think that faith is stupid and believing in Jesus is like believing in like the tooth fairy. And, and so and they kind of come at you a little bit more these days in our culture. And so, and so in this class, uh, we, we looked at arguments for the existence of God, right? Using logic and reason. And I won't, you know, go into the details. I'll, I'll offer this class again. Um, but we looked at the, what's called the cosmological argument. We looked at the argument from design. We looked at uh, the moral argument. You know, where do we get this sense of what's right, what's wrong? And then the last class, what we did is we did a deep dive into the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus, and that was a, that was a fun class. Cause I gotta tell you, we had a prayer time at the end of the class and everybody was kind of, you know, we were fired up. We were like realizing just like the firm foundation that we stand on. So what we did, I won't go throughout the whole class, but there are, there are three historical things that are connected to the death and resurrection of Jesus that everybody agrees happened, right? Even if you're like a skeptical historian, there are like these three things that everyone says, okay, this, this occurred, this happened. One is that the tomb that they placed Jesus ended up being empty. The second is that there were a whole number of people who believed that they, they encountered the resurrected Jesus. That they say, I saw Jesus and he was alive, you know, after he was dead. And people like individuals and groups and even a group of 500 people the Bible talks about. And the third thing is that these people who believed that they saw the resurrected Jesus went on to change the world through the church. I mean, the growth and expansion of the church. So these are three historical facts. And so what we did is we, we took a deep dive into people who don't believe Jesus rose from the dead. How do they explain these three things? And so one, one theory was, is called the conspiracy theory. And it's just like the disciples, they got together and they plotted this great conspiracy and they lied about it and they came up with it, right? Uh, another one was called the swoon theory. The swoon theory says that Jesus didn't really die on the cross, that it only, he kind of passed out. And the, but they thought he was dead, so they took him down from the cross and put him in the tomb. And then he woke up, and he's like, oh, I'm alive. And he somehow got the rock, and he kind of came out, and he's like, look, I'm alive. And, and uh, so that's, that's another one. Uh, another one, it's kind of my favorite, was the, uh, the hallucination theory. 
And so what that says is like when Mary Magdalene saw Jesus, she hallucinated it. Then when, uh, when all the disciples saw Jesus, they hallucinated it. When Paul saw Jesus, he, it was just like group hallucination. You know, they all, they all, I don't know, there was like some kind of group hypnosis or some kind of group thing. They didn't really see Jesus alive, but they thought they did. And we did a deep dive into it, and we looked at the, the, uh, the explanatory scope. Like, does it answer these questions, the explanatory power? Is it, you know, does it, does it make sense? Is it plausible? And we kind of came to this conclusion at the end of it, is that the only thing that makes sense is that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I mean, when you look at the historical facts, the only thing that makes sense is that Jesus rose from the dead, and we kind of came to this, the same conclusion that Paul comes to in Acts 17.31, where he says, For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. He has given proof. And so when you take your hopeless situation and you put it in the hands of our all-powerful God who has proven his faithfulness and his love for us by raising Jesus from the dead, what you are saying is that you believe that one day Jesus is going to come back. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to make everything right. There will be no more injustice. There'll be no more wars. There'll be no more corrupt politicians. There'll be no more murder. There'll be no all the things that human beings do that cause so much pain. There'll be no more of that. And what the Bible says is that you will see Jesus face to face. And there is a day waiting for every single one of us who put our faith in Jesus where Jesus will look you in the eye. And I think he'll probably take your, take your face in his hands. And Jesus himself will wipe every tear from your eyes. He will answer all of your questions and he'll let you know, you know what? Um, you're good. I've got you through. And this is not just wishful thinking. This is not putting a tooth under the pillow. This is God has proven this by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. And what that means is not only we have that day to look forward to, but what it also means is that Jesus has promised as we're on this journey and as we go through the ups and downs and the troubles and the hopeless situations, the things that we deal with, that he has promised that he's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. And if you find yourself in the fire, he's going to be with you in the fire. That he's going to finish the good work that he started in you. That he's going to take all the stuff that this world and the devil and everything else throws at you. He's going to take all of it and he's going to cause all of it to work together for good. So we take our hopeless situations and we put them in the hands of our all-powerful God and we experience the peace of God that passes all understanding. This is our great hope. So whatever hopeless situation you're dealing with, listen, let me just say this. One of my favorite things to preach on is, is to go through, you know, these, these two words that you find over and over and over again in the Bible. With people who are facing hopeless situations, whether it's Noah, whether it's Moses, whether it's Abraham, whether it's whoever, that we just see over and over again people who are facing overwhelming odds, hopeless situations, but these two little words that make all the difference, and those two words are, but God. And what I want to tell anyone who has a hopeless situation right now, I want to tell you there is a but God in your future. There is a but God that is going to come. We're going to have this incredible group, but God. I mean, we're going to, when we see Jesus face to face, it's going to be like, wow, look what God has done. But there are but gods that are good, that you're going to experience along the way while you're on your journey. You're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living.
And, and I, you know, some of you, listen, you're hopeless and, and you're not feeling it right now. But what James is saying, you take through prayer that hopeless situations, put it in the hands of our all-powerful God, and you're going to experience God's peace and God's strength and God's life. Amen? Something else here, the last thing before I get into Elijah, that I think God wants us, that God wants us to know. is prayer puts my broken life in the hands of a merciful God. Prayer puts my broken life in the hands of a merciful, merciful God. James 5, 15 to 16. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And you might say, okay, Phil, James, I was with you until that last sentence. Because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And maybe you might say, well, that rules me out. I'm not righteous, so I don't know. I guess my prayers aren't really going to work. And you see, you would only say that if you don't understand what the Bible says about righteousness. What the Bible says about righteousness is things like all of our righteousness is like filthy rags before God. What the Bible says is there is no one righteous, not one. And so how is it that we become righteous? See, what God does is he takes wrong people and he makes them righteous through the blood of Jesus. That's how it works. Romans 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so what I want to tell you, I want to encourage you, no matter how you've messed up, no matter what struggles you're having in your life, if you have put your faith in Jesus, you are one of those righteous people and your prayers are powerful and effective. See, the way that it works is that Jesus, for us, he's got this bank account, right? He's got this bank account that's filled with righteousness. And once you put your faith in Jesus, what it means for us to pray in the name of Jesus doesn't mean that that's just kind of how we say goodbye. You know, okay, goodbye, God, in the name of Jesus. See you later. That's not, that's not what it means to use the name of Jesus. What it means <laughs> is that Jesus <coughs> has this bank account of righteousness, and he gives you a checkbook that's filled with signed checks where that Jesus is signed so you can tap in to the righteousness that's in his account. Now, maybe, you know what, maybe you didn't say that loud of an amen because you're like, what's a checkbook? Like, what? There is a Venmo account in Jesus' name that you have complete and total access to. And I don't care how much you've messed up. I don't care what struggles you have right now. If you call on the name of Jesus, like that great hymn that we, that we sing, that, that we, are, we are clothed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. And so we come boldly into that throne of grace and we say, standing on the righteousness of Jesus, in Jesus' name, we take, we take whatever it is we need, whatever it is that's going on, and we pray with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so, so then the question that James, because he's so practical, I like he, he kind of goes to this example, right? He starts talking about Elijah. And so I think the question in bringing up Elijah is how do we build up our faith? How do we build up our level of expectation? How do we kind of get to the place where we really kind of believe this and walk in it so that prayer is just part of the fabric of our life? So verse 17 says, Elijah 
was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So he says, listen, Elijah, think about Elijah. And then you go like, all right, you said the righteousness thing. Now Elijah, he was one of the heroes of the Old Testament. You know, Moses, Abraham, Elijah. You know, James, you're the half-brother of Jesus. What about little old me? And James says, no, 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 don't go there. Elijah was just like us. He was just like us. And you, if you read about Elijah, you can find about him in First Kings. And, and um, he had some down days. I mean, he had a time when he was totally depressed and he was all ready to give up. He was just like us. But God used him in some incredibly powerful ways. And so let me just take a few moments and go back to the story here that James is referring to. You find it in First Kings chapter 17. And it says, starts off, it says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So what happened here, you know, Ahab was the king that Elijah was dealing with. He was like the worst of all the kings, right? Ahab and Jezebel were the worst. And so Elijah was the one who was all throughout their kingdom, their kingship. He was the one who was challenging them, bringing the word of the Lord. And he just says, listen, you guys are forgetting God. You're worshiping idols. So God, is. there's going to be like no rain for a long time. There's going to be a drought. And God is doing this to get your attention. And the only time there's going to be rain is when I say there's going to be rain. Now, 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 what wasn't going on here, it wasn't that Elijah woke up that morning. He's like, why don't I try this? Why don't I tell him that it won't rain until I say it's going to rain? It, that's not how it worked. God had given him a word. God had told him this is what was going to happen. And so then Elijah went and proclaimed a word from the Lord, right? That God was going to shut up the heavens until he said so, and he was going to tell Elijah. And so it was based on the word of the Lord. And so faith begins with a word. Faith begins with a word. And so if you want to pray and persevere and have your prayers be powerful and effective, your prayers need to kind of stand on the foundation of a word from God. And so how do you get a word from God, right? You get a word from God from the word of God. That's how you get a word from God. That's why we're always trying to figure out ways to get you to read your Bible more, that you would be able to access all of the thousands of promises that God gives us in the Bible. And the Bible says every promise is yes and amen in Jesus. And so you need to know those promises so you can stand on the word that God has for you. It says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So let me walk you through a little bit of what this can look like. So let's say a big struggle or hopelessness or difficulty in your life is your family. Maybe your spouse doesn't follow Jesus and that's creating all sorts of problems and you're praying for your spouse to come to know Jesus. Maybe you just dropped off your kids to college, right? I know Grimaldi's not here this morning because he's moving his daughter into, her, into uh, her first semester of college. And so maybe you're just kind of like, you know, what's going to happen? Are they going to continue following Jesus? Are they going to be okay? I'm, you know, I'm not there to protect them. What's happening? Maybe you have a child who's like wandering down a really bad road of drugs and addiction and hanging out with the wrong people. Whatever it is, you need to be praying for your family, right? And a word that you can stand on as you pray for your family is Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
And so you pray and you know they've got free will and there's all this stuff going on, but you stand on that word. That word of God is for you. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Right? Maybe you're all stressed out about the pandemic, right? I mean, you know, a couple, couple months ago, everything was good. You know, people were getting vaccinated and the vaccine seemed to work. And then we heard about this Delta variant, you know, and it's like, what is this Delta variant and breakthrough infections? And, and I know, listen, this is, this is stirred up, this whole thing that we've walked through. It's like, we're all going to have PTSD. It's created so much cultural anxiety that we all have. And maybe you're just dealing with that anxiety and you're, and you're praying about that. You can stand on this word, Psalm 91, verse 2 to 3. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. And so you stand on that word. And even if you get a breakthrough infection and you're in the hospital, you stand on that word because God is still your refuge. He's still your place of protection. He's still the one that you look to. Maybe what, you know, the struggle that you're having, the, the, the prayer point is, is economic oppression. Right? We're living in this like crazy inflation right now. Some, some uh, economists say we're experiencing like 25 to 30% inflation right now. And we see it. I mean, you know, how much is a gallon of gas? And you go to the supermarket and you see how much. Yeah, have you guys heard of shrinkflation? Like when you go to the supermarket, shrinkflation is a thing where the prices go up, but the package gets smaller. I mean, that absolutely is shrinkflation. You learned a new term today. Um, uh, or, you know, with housing prices, all of it, it's, it's like governments all over the world are just printing more and more money until they break all the money-making machines, you know? And, and so maybe you're dealing with that stress. Maybe you've been trying to get a job, or maybe you're not unemployed, but you're underemployed, and you need to pray, and you need to know a word of the Lord that you're standing on for God to provide, for God to, to give you what it is you need. You stand on Philippians 4.19, my God will meet all your needs according to the the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And you stand on that word, that word of the Lord, and you stand on it and you pray with faith that God is going to provide all that you need according to the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. Now, what about politics? You're like, oh boy, where are we going? I don't know if you've noticed. Like, I, I, I've never, you know, in my life, I've never seen such political upheaval that we have now. Right? Some, some, as far as, you know, so many people and so many Christians, you know, they seem to, some people are, are, are really upset because the guy who was president a year ago isn't president anymore. Some Christians are really upset that, that you know, because of the, the, the uh, you know, the guy who is president now. I mean, everybody, everybody's all agitated. Everybody's all upset. And what I've seen, and I've seen this, you know, uh, from so many Christians on Facebook and other places, it seems like we've kind of forgotten where our ultimate security comes from. And I know there are people who, like, have broken friendships because of political disagreements. There are people who are estranged from people in their family because of political disagreements. And, and I think as we, as we think about this, like, political maelstrom that we live in, something that we can pray, a word that we can stand on, is Psalm 121, verses 1 to 3. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? I think, listen, there are some of you, some Christians, I don't know, maybe not you guys, not you guys, it's the other Christians. But there are some people who just need to say, like, where do you think your help comes from? Where does your security come from? Is it, is it like which party is in Washington? 
Is it about like the integrity of our leaders? Where does our help come from? Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. And so as we go through the troubles and the hard situations in life and we turn it into prayer, we find a word from the Lord and we declare that word of the Lord and we stand on that word of the Lord and we remind God of the promises that he made throughout scripture, knowing that every promise is yes and amen in Jesus. So something else is we kind of go keep going a little bit more here in this story. I'll make this kind of quick. So this is a little bit longer than usual, but I think it hopefully it'll be worth it. Verse 41 Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. So here's what's going on. He says, Elijah says to Ahab, hey man, we're we're about to have a weather situation. There's going to be some weather rolling in. But what you need to know is this was a blue sky day. I mean, there was not a cloud in the sky, but God obviously told Elijah, it's going to rain today. The drought's going to end. He says that to Ahab. Ahab's like, yeah, whatever, Elijah, you always say stuff. And so what Elijah did, and this is something that I think we need to understand, right? So, so we have that, that word of the Lord, but often there's a gap between us getting that word of the Lord and seeing the deliverance of God, right? So Elijah, and it's a blue sky day. There's not a cloud in the sky. What he does after he declares that word to Ahab is he goes to the top of Mount Carmel and he puts his face between his knees. What that means is he went to the top of Mount Carmel and he said, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. I put it out there and you said it's going to happen, but there's not a cloud in the sky. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And, and the way it's going to work in your life to see a breakthrough, to see those, those effective and powerful things that God wants to do in you and through you, there's going to be a gap. And during that gap, you've got to show your faith. You've got to get on your face. You've got to put your head between your knees and say, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, my hope is on you. I'm looking to you. And I'm telling you, I think there's somebody here right now and you're dealing with a hopeless situation. You need a breakthrough in your life, but it's a blue sky day. It's a blue sky day. There's no evidence that what you're waiting for is going to happen. But I want to tell you, you get up to the top of your Mount Carmel and you put your face between your knees and you continue to cry out to God and you're going to see that breakthrough that God promises that you're going to experience. And part of the way this works, God is not just looking to answer our prayers. God is also trying to build a determination inside of us. He's trying to give us a testimony. And if we prayed for something and then the next day we got it, there wouldn't, that'd, be a, that'd be a testimony. But he wants a different testimony. He wants us to become people who endure. He wants us to become people who have seen the faithfulness of God, even if it took a long time. Because faith builds when we determine to not give up. And so this is really cool. Go back to the story with Elijah, verse 43. So go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops. And so here's what was going on. There's a blue sky day and Elijah's praying. He's already given the message to Ahab. He tells his servant, go down to the coast and look over the horizon. Tell me what you see. 
So the servant goes and he comes back and he's like, nothing, Elijah. It's still, it's a beautiful day. I'm going to play golf later. It's a gorgeous day. I don't know what you're talking about. He said, go back again. And he goes back again. He says, still a beautiful day. Seven times he sends the servant back. Now think about it. If you were in Elijah's shoes, would you have the faith to send the servant back seven times? Or on the like third time, would you have been like, well, I did my best. I guess we need to move on. This didn't work out, right? So many times in the Bible, you know, seven times the Israelites have to march around the walls of Jericho. And I'm sure that on the seventh time, they were like, this is ridiculous. What are we doing? And there are some of you right now, you know, I just want to encourage you. You're on that seventh time and you're ready to give up. And you're thinking like, this is not going to work out. But you need to remember what it says in the book of Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 36, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And so what I want to tell you, a promise here is that in just a little while, you're going to see what it is you're looking for. Now that's the good news. The good news is that the Bible says in a little while, you're going to see it. Here's the bad news. God's understanding of a little while is a little bit different than our understanding of a little while because to the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. But we need to hold on. It goes on and it says, uh, my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. So we endure, we keep going, we keep trusting, right? We take the questions we have about tomorrow and, and we put them into the hands of our all-knowing God. We take the hopeless situations that we're dealing with and we put them into the hands of our all-powerful God. We take our broken lives, we put, them, we put our lives in the hands of an all-merciful God. And then the final point is this. Faith breaks through the natural into the supernatural. So 1 Kings 18, 45 to 46. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain came on, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. So all of a sudden, that little cloud that was just a little fist, a little tiny cloud, all of a sudden the the sky is black and, and the heavy rain is coming. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. So what had been going on up to this point was kind of a natural process. Yes, God was speaking to Elijah, so that was supernatural. But, but Elijah was just praying, and Elijah was sending his servant back and forth to the coast seven times. But then, all of a sudden, the supernatural power of God broke through because human beings can't run faster than a horse, right? But Elijah, he was able to run faster than a horse. And what I have seen in my, in my situations, the times I've gone through this process, the time of waiting and the times of trusting and putting things in God's hands, when the breakthrough happens, I'm able to pinpoint sometimes a couple of different moments where I say, man, I saw the supernatural arm of God at work. I saw God do something that no one else could have done but God. God faithfully, miraculously stepped in and intervened in the situation. Jesus, at a time when the disciples were were confused and they were hopeless, Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. And so if you have a situation 
where you're saying, this, there's no way out. This isn't going to work. With man, think this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And you just wait and you trust and you let God build up that endurance in you. And I believe that you're going to see a breakthrough. I don't know when it's going to happen. But what I do know is that there's going to be a time and man, we're going to, we're going to celebrate before the throne of Jesus and we're going to see that ultimate breakthrough. But I do believe for many of you, you've been waiting and you've been trusting and you've been holding on in a little while. In a little while, you're on the, you're, you're, you've sent the servant back for the seventh time. You're marching around the walls of Jericho for the seventh time. Hold on. Don't be someone who shrinks back because you're going to see the miraculous intervention of God. Amen? Amen. I want to do something. I want to do something a little bit different. It's going to take a couple minutes here. Um, but, uh, you know, so we're all going to thank our, our kids' church workers and our youth workers for a couple of extra minutes. Give them a bagel. Say, here you go. Um, but the, now that we have connection cards, we've got to collect those connection cards. So let's have the ushers come, and they're ready. Uh, if you don't want to touch the basket, that's okay. But we learned like a year ago the virus doesn't live on surfaces, but that's okay. If you don't want to touch the basket, don't touch the basket. But put your connection card, put an offering envelope that's in there. But one of the things here that James talks about is he's talking about this bigger picture of prayer. He specifically talks about if any, any of you are sick, you know, call the elders of the church and, and, and pray for God to heal and that, and that God is going to raise you up. And so I thought, you know, this focus, this, this conversation we've been having here about prayer, I thought a good way, I thought something that God wants to do right now is that he wants to uh, give him, that we would give him some room and give him an opportunity to reach in uh, with his miraculous power to do some healing. And so if you are here and you have any pain in your body, if there's a physical condition that you've been dealing with, we want to pray for you. We want to pray that God's going to step in and that God's going to heal you. Maybe it's just something that's new and that's recent and that's annoying. Maybe it's something that's chronic. Maybe there's a physical issue that you've been dealing with for, for many, many years. I just have a sense that there's someone here, you came in here this morning really worried about your high blood pressure, that it's been spiking and it's been really bad. And I believe that God wants to heal you, that God wants to supernaturally lower your blood pressure right now, whatever it might be. Maybe there's someone, maybe you have a, a recent cancer diagnosis and that's freaking you out and you're just, you know, you're so just, just overwhelmed by that. Whatever it might be. Let's, let's respond, right? We've been talking about the Word of God. Now let's stand on what the Word of God says and let's give God an opportunity to step in and do what He says He wants to do. And so if you have any physical needs right now, uh, just stand up where you are. I'm not going to call you up front because with Delta and all that, we're not going to get into like crowding all up here in front of the stage. But just stand up where you are. Don't worry. This isn't a bait and switch. I'm not going to say, now that you stand up, shall come up and like do a little dance for us or anything like that. I'm not going to do that. But whatever it is, whatever your physical, mental, whatever it might be, where, where you need God to do a miracle in your body or to bring about healing in your body, let's in faith stand up and ask God to do that. And so let's pray. Those of you who are seated, and again, don't be, I think there's probably more of you who have something. Don't, again, we're not going to make you do anything else. This isn't a bait and switch. Just, just stand in faith and say, okay, God, I'm going to look to you right now to bring about your healing. 
And so those of you who are sitting, if you want, you know, just pray, look around and who's standing and just, you don't have to get, you know, don't get out of your chair and go to them, but, but you can even extend your hand if you want to do that or just, just, just pray for them. And let's ask God to move and work. So come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you, God, that you have given us this living hope. I thank you, God, that you have clothed us in the righteousness of Christ. And so, God, we know because of your righteousness that our prayers are powerful and effective. And so, Lord, in the name of Jesus, using Jesus' Venmo account, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. God, as we're looking for supernatural breakthrough in our lives, as we're crying out to you, as we're trusting you, God, in all the ways that we are, we specifically ask that your Holy Spirit would begin to touch people right now who are standing. And we pray that you would pour out your healing. God, we pray that you would raise them up. So come, Holy Spirit. God, we bless your presence. We bless your presence in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray for more. God, I pray that pain would be driven out of bodies right now in the powerful name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we say pain go. I pray specifically for someone's left knee and the pain and the discomfort that's in that left left knee. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring healing to that left knee right now. Lord, that you would raise that person up, that they would walk without pain. Come, Holy Spirit. God, we look to you. Lord, I just right now, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke migraines. Lord, if someone has been struggling with migraines that just come upon them and and debilitate them, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would drive away those migraines and that that you would bring peace and health and healing to their minds right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord God, I pray that you would come and that you would move and that you would heal in the mighty name of Jesus. More, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. We look to you. God, I speak against ulcers in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would heal up, God, anything that's going on in our digestive systems. I pray for healing in the mighty name of Jesus. Let it come. Let it come. We bless your presence here, God. We pray for more. Increase, God. Let your kingdom come. Raise us up as we look to you. Thank you, Jesus. More, Lord. Let it come. Bless your presence. We thank you, God. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would just do something in each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that we would pray more than we've ever prayed this week. I pray that we wouldn't just hear this message and go on with prayerless lives, God, but that we would believe that prayer is, 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 is this, this thing that you give us that can close the gap, that can build endurance as we look to you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would increase our faith, that we would be able to pray, that we would be able to pray those prayers that are effective and powerful in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for everyone here. I pray that this week, God, that we would just enjoy your presence and that as we gather back next week to worship you, that we would all be a little bit closer, Lord, to you and that we'd all have more of a testimony of your faithfulness and goodness in our life because we look to you and we love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. God bless you guys. Hey, if anyone who is standing, if anyone feels like they experience any measure of healing or God did anything, email me, phil at njvine.com. Let me know because I would love to hear that report. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Uh, we got people from the prayer team will be over here to my right. If anybody wants some more prayer for anything going on in your life, grab a bagel on your way out and uh, we'll see you next week.